Hello, hola, bonjour, welcome to be- two beers, please. It's the uh, the international show, the show where we drink beer or really any alcoholic beverage or coffee sometimes when Jan's being lame, uh, and talk about all things sports. I am I am Matthew Phillips. The new branding for the year 2021 of my name, Matt Smith, is dead. He's actually he's British. Actually, uh, I'm joined by my af- the aforementioned co-host and good friend Yannick. And we got lots to discuss with the start of the new year. NFL playoffs are all set with the Chiefs and Packers getting the lone buys from each conference. First playoffs, playoff weekend ever with six games. So that's very exciting. College football final all set with the clash between the Buckeyes and the Crimson Tide. And we'll cross the pond to take a peek at the five major soccer leagues as they all kind of hit their midway point of the seasons. As always, this is where we implore you to go follow the Two Beers Please Facebook page. The Instagram, two beers, please, underscore podcast. We really should start having some trivia rewards of, of some sort from that. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll, we'll figure something out at some point. And uh, the Twitter, two BP underscore podcast, where I normally just complain about things in the sports world. Jan's use of the Instagram page is, is very informative. And mine with the Twitter is just much more me just getting angry about sports topics or like criticizing. So it, it fits our personalities very well. Uh, and of course, <laughs> make sure make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts. I want to see two beers, please, all over everybody's year in review from Spotify this this year, as we all you know like to share every bit of music we've listened to. Actually, you know, Yannick, my my real gripe with the Spotify year in review thing is that it comes out at the beginning of December. There, there's a whole month left of the year. How is that a year in review? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it. I agree. And it's also like, I, I, I'm also happy about it, though, because then I feel like Christmas music would be in like my top played and I don't want that. So that's probably true. Good, maybe good that's, point. Maybe that's what it is. Um, I agree, though. It's it's kind of like, I guess if they did it at the very end of the year, then at some point it would be relevant for like two days and then they'd be like new year. We don't want to talk about last year. Uh, so maybe I'm, maybe it's about that. Uh, my, my big gripe with Spotify wrapped is like, I don't ever believe it. Like a, a, a couple things in there, I believe, but then I see like my top played songs and I'm like, my top played songs can include a song I've played 20 times. I know I've listened to other songs far more than that. I don't believe you. I think you're just you're just making stuff up. Well, I mean, how many times, too, do you like – I mean, I do this a lot where it's like <laughs> there's like five seconds left in the song, but the song's over. And so I'll just like press skip. And then so I think it doesn't count as a listen. So like, lame. That's I'm not, like that's- I, I, I basically listened to it. It should be like a halfway mark. It counts as a listen because, yeah, most of mine are like – most of my stuff are normally like movie themes that I like I'll put on while I'm like working or whatever. Cause then it's just, then I don't care what's on, but like most of my workout songs, as soon as the, like the stuff that's the real song of it is done, I'm like, all right, I got to get to the next one. I got to keep those, those BPMs going. So then they don't get their, uh, their due credit as a listen. Right. Nothing from my running playlist is really on there. And I'm like, that's the music I listen to the most. So I don't understand how, any of none of that can be on there. I agree. I also hit. I also hit next though. So Spotify, we're on to you. We're on to you. <laughs> These numbers are skewed, you bastards. Stop the count. <laughs> <laughs> or or actually do the count. I don't do the count. Sure which one applies count. this time? 
Well played. All right, Jan, we're, uh, we're going to take a trip to the history books a little earlier in this episode. On January 5th, 1925, Nellie Taylor Ross was elected as governor of the state of Wyoming, making her the feast first. Jeez, I, I'll be able to talk at some point. Making her the first female governor in the United States. And uh, she actually also became the first director of the U.S. Mint, uh, who, who was a woman uh, in 1933. She was the director of the U.S. Mint for 20 years. So quite an accomplishment for, for Ross, especially on a day like today where big implications put politically down in Georgia. Unfortunately, though, Jan, and uh, I actually didn't know this when I first like was researching this history thing, but it kind of it works for our, our podcast. Ross was a teetotaler um, supporting prohibition in the 1920s, so she wouldn't quite vibe with us here. Right. I saw that too. I, <clears throat> I, I was researching her just so I, you know, didn't just nod along, especially to like a historical thing. I was like, that's probably the wrong thing to do. Uh, no, I was researching her too. And at first I read that she was super against child labor and did a lot of good work and like, like kind of, <clears throat> uh, instilling regulations against child labor. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Obviously the U S mint stuff, Ah, and then I saw the prohibition thing. I was like, no, you were Definitely. so cool. We were such a fan of you. We were such a fan. We just, you know, we could only hang out with her at certain times of the day. That's all. Yeah, that's all. That's true. That's it amazes all. me that uh, that like child labor laws were like, <clears throat> it was only like a little more than 100 years ago that we were like, you know, maybe we shouldn't have kids working ungodly hours all the time. Like that's not yeah. that long ago. It's like little Jimmy's got a hair on his chest. He's ready for the steel mill. <laughs> he's ready for he's ready for the steel mill. Throw him in there. Oh yeah. I, I don't I even agree. know how to read. Yeah, that's fair. They didn't need to. They were like, yeah. you don't need to know how to read. Exactly. Just don't. Just get to work. That's true. I also like about uh Nellie Taylor Ross is that apparently the reason that she got her position in the U.S. Mint was from another woman who was like one of the first female workers in the U.S. Mint, Mary Margaret O'Reilly. And they yes. created this beautiful friendship that someone should definitely write a movie about because it's two women in the 20s working in the U.S. Mint. That that in itself is so cool to me. And they uh, didn't really and they didn't like really like like or trust each other at first. There you go. That's the movie right there. There you go. Someone write it. I, I don't know what you would call it, but... Jan, they, you and me can play Nellie and Mary. Oh, which... <laughs> who's the prohibition Who's the prohibition person in this one? I think that has to be me, I probably. Uh, oh, yeah. right. I guess uh, we'll find out, you know. We'll, we'll find out at the reading. Um, also interesting is, is the fact that Nellie Ross is, the, is still the only female governor of uh, Wyoming. But as we know in uh, here in Iowa, not... Not all female governors are winners. Oh, gosh. Gross. I got an email from her just the other day. I was like, don't email me. I don't even live here anymore. Don't email me. <laughs> that sounds like such a personal, like Kim Riddles is just like personally emailing you. So, hey, Yannick, what's what's up? She is uh, she is definitely not a teetotaler. She, uh, we won't get too far to that. Yannick, how are we feeling today? I'm feeling good. We're uh we're we're having fun on this on this Tuesday. I'm feeling good. Uh Matt recently introduced me to DraftKings Sportsbook and so I've I've slowly but surely been getting addicted uh which is fun. Um you know s- soon here in 2 weeks we'll be talking about 
about betting addiction and then the real the yeah. real toll it takes. One eight hundred bets off. Here we come. Why don't you tell tell the uh, the people the the one dollar bet you threw down today? Right. So I threw down. I. I lost a lot of money yesterday. Not a lot of money, just like for me, a lot of money considering I don't put a lot of money down. Um, and so I didn't want to put money money down today. But then I looked at the NBA uh, slate today and it's five games. And I just took all of the underdogs because the underdogs are kind of like all people that can win. The Nets are underdogs against the, ja- the Jazz. They can win. I know that KD's injured, but come on. That's not like the end of the world. Um, the Nuggets are not doing well. Timberwolves are, are underdogs. Grizzlies against the Lakers is the one that probably won't happen, but still, you know, LeBron might not play. There's a chance. There's a chance. And then Spurs over Clippers and Bulls over Blazers. You know, it's, it's possible this early in the season. Uh, and I got $1 down for a, for a, a 1031 payout. So I lose a dollar or I win $1,031. I love that so much. It's great. I was like, there's no losing in this. There is absolutely yeah. no losing in this. <laughs> it's it's true. There There isn't. Like one buck and it probably won't pay out. But if it does, that's that's a hefty that's a hefty win. I, I like I'm addicted to parlaying and I wish I wasn't. I the Titans. <clears throat> whew, I've never been more enthralled in a Titans game because I did an 18 parlay on, on Sunday and the Seahawks were down 10 late. The Titans were couldn't stop the Texans, but I it paid through and it was it was a close one. But yeah, I'm quickly we're becoming degenerate gamblers. Right, exactly. And the problem was my first day betting was that Sunday, and I won both of my big parlays. And so it's like the world was like, see, it's not hard. Just do it more often. It's not hard. What are you talking about? And then, and then you're like, well, now I've got these winnings. Like, I might as well bet like some of this money. I'm already in the green. And then and you that end up like gentleman. chasing it. That's how they get you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They. It's sort of like whenever I do gamble a lot, like either just like sports betting or like playing blackjack or whatever. Like the more you just like are, are doing it, the more you're just like, God damn it! They are so good at sucking you in, and like the little tricks that they've that are not even just new, hundreds of years old, and like, ugh, they just know how to play with the human nature. They do. They do. Uh, hopefully we can st- keep doing this podcast and not have to sell off the laptops for um, <laughs> to, to for the loan sharks, you know? <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, glad you're doing well. I'm doing well myself. Uh, my my aunt has been dealing with a lot these last few weeks and her battle against cancer, which has been tough. But uh, yesterday was the 60 year anniversary of, of Stuart Scott's passing. Truly one of the all time greats in sports journalism. I always just loved how much Stuart Scott, like how much fun he was having. Like you could just tell he, he loved his work and just enjoyed doing it. And uh, I was reminded of his words during his SB speech when he said, quote, when you die, that does not mean that you lose to cancer. You beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and then the manner in which you live. And, uh, you know, I just think that's it, such a wonderful message. And I think it's something we all can take heed of, you know, whether you're in a battle like that or not. I think those why you live, how you live, and the manner in which you live is something that we all uh, can in, inspire to do better at um, and, and to, you know, remember in our day-to-day lives. But also some good news. Uh, another one of my good friends 
Joseph Jurek got engaged last week to the wonderful Molly Canes. I want to wish them both the absolute best. Looking forward to, to celebrating with them in the near future. So with the good, with the bad times, there's always good times as well. Agreed. And uh, yeah, Stuart Scott, if you never, if you never got to listen to Stuart Scott, cause you got into sports a little late, like I got the very tail end of Stuart Scott and, uh, but like even that and like, oh yeah, was like, yeah, it's, he's an inspiration for, for sure. And it's something we talk about here. You know, it's like everybody's human. Everybody makes mistakes. It's the way that you conduct yourself in life that matters. For sure. Yeah. And like he, he just rules, but uh, we've, we don't want to get too emotional. We've, we've been getting so emotional recently, Jan. So why don't we, let's get on down to the local pub. What are you drinking today? Uh, I was going to drink a Pilsner, but then I went to the fridge and out of nowhere, because I'm at home, right, with my family, and out of nowhere, there's just a bunch of Stella in there. So I think my brother might have, like, gone out and he just brought back some Stella. So oh, yeah. I'm drinking a Stella. How about you, buddy? I haven't had a Stella in a while. I uh, I miss Stella. I, I have some leftover Corona from New Year's Eve. I drank Corona all night for New Year's. I thought it was I thought it was an app choice. I mean, I like Corona. Because I was like, I was like, what beer do I want tonight? And I was like, well, I've always enjoyed Corona. And then I was like, also, it'd be hilarious to drink <laughs> yeah. Corona on on the end of 2020. So I just got, I got one of my uh, Corona cervezas here that's uh, hitting the spot. There you go. What if that was a thing? Maybe that's a tradition we do from now on. Like drink Corona on New Year's Eve so it won't get you on New Year's Day. Like maybe that's what it is from now on. <laughs> it's a protective covering for the next year. I've... I believe that. That's the power of Corona beer. There you go. This, if if you if you didn't catch it, we are sponsored by one beer company only, and it is it is Corona. <laughs> I'd love to be uh, sponsored by Corona. That'd be that'd be a great a great beer to to have behind your back. There you go. That's a resolution we can have. We'll we'll be sponsored by Corona by the end of the year. <laughs> hey, dream big, right? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they want it? It's two beers, please. Come on. It's a marriage made in heaven. Yeah. All right, Jan, let's, uh, let's do uh, a little warm-up section, start stretching out those joints and such, and uh, let's give a little shout-out. I'll let you give out your shout-out for the week first. Right. My shout-out comes with a little tag on it that says, everybody calm down. So I'm going to give my shout-out, and then I'm going to tell why everybody needs to calm down. So my shout-out is to Steph Curry. I mean, after the terrible start, we talked about it. He was shooting like crap. His team was playing like crap. He has 92 points in his last two games. You know, the Warriors are four and three. I actually really love James Wiseman and Steph on the same team. They're really good uh, playing off of each other. Uh, So yeah, really glad that he could find a shooting form. So he's my shout out for the week. However, everyone calm down. I'm glad Steph found his groove or acting like the Warriors are going to challenge the Lakers. They won't even challenge the Phoenix Suns. So let's all just calm down. It's like, it's great to see. It's great to see, but there's a reason he needed to score 62 points. It's because the Warriors suck. So like everybody just chill. Everybody's like, Steph, let's all talk Steph. I'm like, Steph's great. Don't get me wrong, but guys, this is, this is like a one-off story. Congratulate him. Move on. That's all you got to do. Yeah, I, uh, I I completely agree. I, the last two off seasons, I've been like, I don't really know why people are expecting like that much from the Warriors because like, and on the same time of that, I I I think the critique of Steph early on in this season has been rough. Like, yeah, he hasn't been shooting well, but every basketball player needs help. 
Like <laughs> you, you've got to have some other guys that are doing some things out there to, to help you out to really have any sort of success. So like it, of course he had help on his earlier teams, but like Steph has proven that he's a great player. The guy's got three rings. He, he's turned around the Warriors franchise to a lapping stock to now one of the most popular franchises in the NBA. I agree with you. I don't think this team's going anywhere. Kelly Oubre is the most overrated NBA player. Oh. I've ever, I, I, he gets like one dunk a game and people are like, man, Kelly Oubre is so good. And I'm like, he sucks. Yeah. He is garbage. It, oh my God. I, I just, my dislike for Kelly Oubre is out of this world, but so yeah, it's let's hinder. Let's like pull back the, the idea that the Warriors are like legitimate, but like the Warriors cannot be good. And Steph can still be very good. Like both things can be true, but like, you're not, it's tough for one guy to do, especially a guy like Steph. Like maybe you could argue LeBron has carried teams by himself a lot, but like, LeBron is not the normal player. LeBron's a six-eight point guard. Steph's like a smaller guard that can shoot really well. Like he's he can't go and grab fifteen rebounds and and all that stuff, but he can he can do a lot, and he's still a great player. So, hundred percent in agreement with you there. Uh, my uh, my shout out this week is to a young man from Washington, Iowa, named Treshawn Willis. Willis is a six-five quarterback with athleticism to match that size, who recently received a preferred walk-on offer from Lamar, which is an FCS program in Texas. All that doesn't sound, you know, all that impressive. 6'5", quarterback going to FCS, like whatever. But what makes Willis' story so incredible is the fact that he had a condition called amniotic band syndrome while he was in the womb. And in very basic layman's terms, it it meant that his left arm suffered stunted growth from just above the elbow. So Sean Willis is basically a one-armed quarterback. But he's had a dream and a goal, and the guy has, has never stopped working to make that happen, and now he's being rewarded for that. So just an incredible story. A congratulations to him. I mean, I can't play quarterback with two arms, and this guy's absolutely killing it. So, uh, you know, me here at Two Beers, please. Can't wait to see what you do next, Treshawn, and uh, just uh, an incredible story of, of, you know, grit and determination, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't play quarterback if you gave me a third arm. So there you go. You're, you're, you're killing I don't it. care if I was 6'5 and had whatever. I, I'd suck. Yeah, so yeah, that's a great story. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And yeah, kind of ex- excited to see what happens. Always, always supportive of the Iowa boys, especially one who's gone through so much adversity like that. Yeah, and he also apparently he also played middle linebacker. I think he started at varsity middle linebacker as like a sophomore, and he's at three A. So it's not like it's not like he's at some small school uh, in high school. So really impressive guy. Uh, but Treshawn and Steph, you are our shout outs for the week. And now, Jan, let's get to the win sprints. A little quick cover of some of the big news from the sports world. The first place we're stopping the NCAA tournament. It has been announced will be held entirely in Indiana. Uh, most games will be held in Indianapolis. What are your thoughts on on that decision by the NCAA, Jan? I think it's smart. I mean, I I, I think that they've had a lot of postponements lately, and I'm I'm not sure on all of the math regarding like whether Indianapolis is, and Indiana are like the smart places you know to be. But I assume that they are. We saw how the bubble worked for the NBA, especially after they got closed down. Uh, the NCAA has had to deal with a lot of postponements already. So I, I, I think it's a smart idea. And, you know, I also think that, yeah, I don't know. With college with college players, it, we, we saw what happened with football, you know, with, with all these different people interacting from these different places. And it's not like that doesn't happen in the regular season. But 
it is a lot of conference play where where you're kind of localized to regions. So if you're traveling a little too much, it it, it can it can be an issue. So I, I always think for now, I think in the next year, I think bubbles are going to be a smart idea. So it's it's a good one to me. For sure. I think you make a good point too of like something I hadn't considered of like, yeah, there is the travel now, but but it is more like even just traveling to like college towns and like you said, more localized where like once you start doing the NCAA tournament, like there's games in Charlotte, there's games in New York, there's games in LA, there's games in places that are, are going to have a lot more people and will, you know, be more hot spots to, to possibly spread the disease. Uh, but yeah, I completely agree. I think it's, it's a smart, smart move. Of course, it's disappointing, like especially for those places where the games are going to be. But like, even if the games were going to be in all these different areas, I, I doubt there was really going to be any fans. So it's not like it would be the normal experience. Like I remember when Des Moines had some games, like it was an absolute blast. Like a bunch of people came downtown. People were just enjoying it. That's that's not going to be the case for the locations this year. So I think it's a, a good good decision on that part and safety wise. And then, you know, like the Final Four was supposed to be in Indianapolis this year. Indiana is – it's the Hoosier State. It's It's kind of the basketball state. You got – IU, Purdue, Notre Dame, Butler, all with different courts to be used. You, you can use Baker's Life Fieldhouse where the Pacers play. So I think even logistically, it, it is, you know, probably a good place to, to do it. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's the smart call. And, you know, player safety always is, I think, at the should be at the forefront of, uh, especially when we're talking about, like, college players that don't have as much protection as uh, professional players would. But, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I just hope we get a tur- I just hope we get a tournament, you know. There you go. And also Big Ten's the best conference in the country. So hold it in a Big Ten place, baby. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Hell yeah. That's a that's a damn good point, too. All right. Now we're gonna talk a little baseball. The Padres. Surprise of the MLB season last year, led by, of course, the the young now superstar Fernando Tatis, have Manny Machado, and now the front office has gone and dealt for Blake Snell and you Darvish to make their pitching just as fearsome as their bats. Would you call the San Diego Padres World Series favorites right now? No. No, I wouldn't. I, I I would call them World Series contenders, absolutely. I would have called them that last year if they had not played the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are the exact reason I'm not going to give it to them this year. They're champions. They have not lost anything. Why why give it away? You know, it's kind of I, I think that they've earned that respect regardless of who the Padres go out and get. Reminds me of the Bucks. You know, it's like, yeah, the Bucks are great. They have good players. I'm not going to say the Bucks are the NFC favorites when you have other NFC teams that are more established and have played together well. Also, pitchers, like, you can add two pitchers all you want. Blake Snell and Yu Darvish are great pitchers, but they have to also – there's so many things that can go into that. You know, you have to handle your pitchers correctly. They have to avoid injury. I mean, the Red Sox had Chris Sale and won the World Series, and now look what happened. He's injured, and they don't have any pitching whatsoever. You know, So there's so many factors that can go into that. So two pitchers, I think, it, it can be a little more it, – it might not be what they're expecting off the bat because of several factors. But regardless, love the Padres roster, love the moves, very aggressive moves. They need to be to challenge the Dodgers, but the Dodgers still have the number one for me. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement. I I think I would still go. I mean, definitely Dodgers, and I think I would still go Yankees as still the favorites above them, just because if they, I mean, I think the Yankees talent wise are still right up there with the Dodgers. Just had so many health concerns last year, but I think it does. Like, I mean, I think I think now they're a far more legitimate World Series contender. Uh, I agree. I don't think they're the favorite, but like 
we know how vital pitching is in the postseason. And and Darvish and Snell certainly have, have shown what they can do in the regular season and in the postseason. And, uh, you know, the team last year had a lot of good bats, but they didn't really have a, a pitching staff that could get it done in the postseason. So you get those guys, and I think now you're you're matching those bats with, with some really solid pitching as well. It, it makes you more of a complete team to really – to really make a make a stand like strikeouts matter more than home runs in the postseason so i think they're big big pickups and it's just nice to see like san diego be like we have a really good roster let's go make some moves like let's let's trade some of these prospects and and we know we need to improve let's do it like i, I love when a franchise actually is aggressive in that fashion and they're like yeah what why not take advantage of the talent we have now and and go and, and improve where we can Right, exactly. And it's also, I mean, no one else has made any moves in the baseball postseason, it feels like, because everybody's, all the teams, it's weird, half the teams are in complete rebuild mode, and half the teams are so happy with where they're at. Because you remember the postseason last season, there were so many great teams. So I think a lot of teams just didn't want to move, you know, Yankees are happy with where they're at, Dodgers happy, obviously, with where they're at, you know, even even teams like the Astros don't feel like they need to make too many changes. The Padres could have been like that because let's be honest, <clears throat> regardless of the pitchers, this team will rise and fall with how Fernando Tatis, Tatis Jr. grows. Like that's just what it's going to be. Um, I know that in baseball, there's a lot of different factors, but that's what we see happen. That's what happened with the Red Sox. Mookie Betts came in. It depended on how he rose and he rose to the occasion. Now look what he did with the Dodgers. Um, I think that franchise's legit- legitimacy as a World Series winner in the future kind of rests on how he can grow as, as, an, as an adult. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see the move too. I'm, I'm always bored by the baseball postseason. You don't off. see, you don't see a lot of, yeah, you don't see a lot of trades in the off season. It's, it's like, I mean, the baseball probably has, I'm not pry baseball has the most in season trades of any league. Like obviously at every trade deadline, there's, there's somebody moving prospects for, for one other piece that they need. Uh, so we'll certainly see that, but yeah, it's nice. It's kind of nice to them be like, nah, like we know, we know we need pitching, we can get these guys. We've got lots of good prospects. Like what? Why wait? Uh, so I, I, I think it's great. And I think it's good too for like, because they need those starting pitching. Like I, you want to get those guys in there and get them comfortable, get them, you know, situated instead of waiting until the halfway part and being like, okay, now come bring your talents here and, and replicate what you've been doing. Yeah. Agreed. 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 All right. The last wind sprint we got. The Eagles benched Jalen Hurts for Nate Sudfield in Sunday night's loss to Washington. Giants coach Joe Judge said it's a disgrace to the game of football. Do you agree? No. No. And here's why. You know why? Because win more than six games before you have any disgrace about the football. Ding, 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 ding. Like, excuse me. The entire NFC East has nothing to say regarding any kind of, oh, they should have played. Like, come on. That's like saying if the Patriots and the Dolphins were in a competition for the last, that would have meant something. Because even the Patriots, who were terrible, terrible, even they won seven games. Come on. And you're you're wanting a playoff spot? That's ridiculous to me. And I get what they're saying. And there is a discussion to be had about the tanking versus not tanking versus whatever. But – Number one, Doug Peterson came out and said that he was going to give Nate Sudfeld hour, um, minutes a long time before that happened. So that was already in his mind regardless, right? And, and you know, 
that's happens. Coaches are the lead of their teams. I agree with whatever, you know, whoever said it on get up earlier this morning. I agree. It's kind of like coaches are in charge of their teams. They're not in charge of the, of the, of the game. You know, there, there are certain, there are certain things that come in the purview of that. Like don't tell your players to go target other players. Obviously that's like a different conversation, but in terms of like what he wants to do with his team, who's already eliminated, he's allowed to do whatever he wants. You know, that that has nothing to do. He doesn't play for the Giants. Why should he help the Giants? He doesn't, he doesn't, like, that's not his job. And also, Joe Judge, your team should have won more than six games. Like, that's what it is. In the terrible NFC East, your team could have won more than six games. Like, that's, if you want to be a playoff team. It, it's ridiculous to me. And, and, you know, yeah. And I, I, I don't think it's anything, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think, too, just like him being like, oh, it's a disgrace to football, where it's like, look, I understand if you're upset that you didn't make the playoffs because if, if Philly would have won, you would have made. Like, I, I get that part. I right. get being upset about that. That doesn't mean it's a disgrace of the game. And it doesn't like – and like you said, win more play, like win more games and you win the playoffs. So, like, to take your disappointment and be like, this is a disgrace to football – it's like, shut up, dude. Like, come on. You're you're just bitter that you didn't make the playoffs, which I understand. I'm with you. It, it would have been nice to make the playoffs, but let's not take it too far where we're saying crap like that. And, like, why would the Eagles want to win? At that point, I don't even think it's tanking. Like, they're not going to make the playoffs. They got four wins. They would either get the ninth pick or, like, the sixth pick. Like, get a better draft pick. What What's the point? What does this moral victory do for you? Nothing. Draft picks do things far more than moral victories at the end. And, you know, like, to play even more of devil's advocate, what if Jalen Hurts gets injured in that game and gets, like, seriously injured or he's out all next season? Wouldn't people be ripping Doug Peterson for putting his player in harm's way for a game that meant nothing to Philly? Like, come on. Yeah, I agree. And also, like, you're acting like, again, I hate to use us as examples, but it's just what, what we have. You're acting like Doug Pearson put me or Matt in as quarterback with, with two minutes to go. in the Like, that's not what happened. They put it in an NFL quarterback. You know, he could have very well won that game. I'm not saying it was the best chance for them to win that game, but it's not like he went out there and ran backwards for 30 yards every play. Like, you know, it, it, they were doing their own thing. I yeah, I think it's just a little bit of an excuse. I understand players going out and tweeting about it because they're disappointed and they want the result they want. I get it. But I have like a little example in the 90s at some point in a World Cup, Germany and Austria knew that they just needed a tie to get them both in the next round and so they agreed to a 0-0 draw. That is integrity of the game that's that's spoiled because they knew the result they had to have and agreed with each other to help and didn't really yeah. play the game. That is integrity of the game. That's that, And that's why group games on the last day of the World Cup, they're all played in conjunction so no one knows what's going on, right? And it's like that that is something, right, if, if there was an agreement. But there wasn't. It was a close game. It shouldn't have been for Washington. They should have been the better team. They weren't, right? That's also something you have to say. It's not our fault Washington is not good either, right? So, you know, Giants, just, you know, go home, get Saquon back, do better next year. That's it. Yeah. You you can be disappointed and you didn't make the playoffs because they lost, but to like you said, to to say it's like the, the disgrace of the game is whatever. And 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 I think too, like the last point on this is, is that's such a 
like discredit to all those other guys out in, uh, on the field for Philly. And, and even like Nate Sudfeld was just like, oh yeah, they all went out there and didn't give a damn. Like those guys are still putting their bodies and their livelihoods on the line. So like have a little more respect for those players. If, if you're somebody that's worried about disgracing the game. Yeah, honestly, like Nate Sudfeld, I feel so bad for that dude. There's no reason he should be getting the hate that he's getting right now. Like uh, around him. I'm not saying he's getting hate, but it just must be. It just must suck to beat Nate Sudfeld right now. It really must. Yes, our uh, our our thoughts are are certainly with Nate Sudfeld. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he'll be okay. Uh, we stand uh, Sudfeld. <laughs> I almost said Sudfeld stands, but I hate the word stands so much that I had to stop myself from doing it. But uh, let's move on to some college football, Jan. The uh, college football playoff semifinals, of course, happened over uh, or on what was New Year's Day over the last week. Uh, Ohio State and Clemson, Alabama, Notre Dame. I'll talk about Alabama, Notre Dame first. The, the Rose Bowl happening in Dallas, Texas, which is just weird. Um, but I suppose I suppose a good year for the Rose Bowl not to be at the Rose Bowl since people couldn't really go. Uh, Alabama won 31-14, as we all expected. Crimson Tide kind of controlled the game completely. But – Honestly, I was impressed by Notre Dame. Like the Irish were never really in it, but the, they fought much harder than I expected. Their defense is really tough. Like t- to hold Alabama to 31 points and, and those weapons to, to only that, you know, few of scores is, I think they have to be commended. Like I know 31 points isn't a low amount, but for Alabama, it is. So like Notre Dame's certainly got a legit defense. If their offense was, you know, capable at all. They probably could have given Bam a bit of a run, but Crimson Tide, you know, at the end of the day for me, like it, they have the Heisman winner on their team. Tonight we, we should hear Devontae Smith's name called as the Heisman winner, and he showed why in this game. Three touchdowns tied a, a Rose Bowl record, but you also just got to see how versatile he was. You know, they, they throw him in the slot. They, they put him outside. He, they use him in, in, in motion or on end arounds. They'll, you know, his route running is incredible. His speed's incredible. His ability to just make big plays with a little amount of space is phenomenal. Uh, he, you know, he's just the whole package. And I think if Bama, Bama does end up winning the title, it's it's because of what Demonte Smith's going to do against the Buckeyes. But like I said, impressed with Notre Dame's defense. But when you got weapons like Demonte Smith, it's just even that defense could not contain that guy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we saw, and it's funny because he's not like. He's not like the most physically imposing receiver in the world. Like you look at the kid and you're like, oh, this is the guy that, that is just freaking. He's kind of a stick. Like he's not like Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins or anything like that. Right, exactly. Uh, but then you saw, I mean, I think he scored twice in that in that Rose Bowl win. So, you know, three he's, times. Three times. There you go. So I think that he yeah, he's going to win the Heisman tonight. If he doesn't, then they should just relabel it a quarterback award, and and that should be that because what's the point of even going for it then? Um, and, yeah, it, it was exciting to see. I agree. Notre Dame did better than expected, but Alabama, clear favorites uh, in that one and and moved on uh, <clears throat> in, in still impressive fashion, so that was good. Uh, in the Sugar Bowl, we had Clemson OSU, and obviously – there was a lot of talk about if Ohio State deserved to be here with the games they played. Justin Fields not really playing as impressively as we expected him in those five games too. So people were kind of giving Trevor Lawrence the edge 
uh, in this one, and it uh, it did not happen that way. It really, really did not. Uh, Ohio State winning forty nine to twenty eight, uh, really blowing out Clemson for all intents and purposes. Justin Fields had six touchdowns for Ohio State, which ties a single game record for the Buckeyes and set the Sugar Bowl and Ohio Bowl records. Um, both of those records with throwing touchdowns. So, I mean, he had a monster of a game, got injured in the middle of it, came back in. Um, questionable whether that was the right decision. I think they won, so it was the right decision. Uh, they were also, my thing was they were up a lot, you know, and and granted, you know, Clemson could have caught up without him being there and the Ohio State offense faltering. But I think I would have maybe, they were up like two and a half scores. I maybe would have seen what happened giving him a rest. Uh, than throwing him back in because it seems like a rib thing. And, I mean, we saw with Drew Brees how bad that can be. So I, I, I worry about him in the next game. But it shows his tenacity as well. I mean, his tenacity is the reason that Ohio State won this game. Uh, obviously, he was helped they by were, – They were going to have to get the National Guard to keep that dude off the field. Right. Like, they're, they're, like he, his, All of his limbs would have had to fall off for him to be like, no, I'm not going back out there. Right, exactly. Coach Day was not going to stop him for sure. Uh, and, and, you know, OSU also showed that they got their own playmakers to compete with Alabama in this final. You know, Chris Olave had two touchdowns helping out Justin Fields there, and they got their own runner in Trey Sermon, cl- close to 200 yards, also had a score in the game. Uh, and we talked about it. OSU, the way that they were going to win this game against Clemson is if they established the run game, and they did. They doubled Clemson's rush attempts and had over 200 yards more than Clemson on the ground. That was the big difference. The other big difference Dabo Sweeney versus Day. Day out coached Dabo Sweeney, plain and simple. His team held the ball longer, made less mistakes, and played more aggressively on defense, getting them the win. Uh, and in the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence debate, you know, Fields was better stats wise. Trevor Lawrence still did fine. You know, he had some turnovers, but he was also trying to win the game. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's his tenacity that won Ohio State this game, and it's his tenacity that will take them into the Alabama game which should be a fun one. It should be a fun one. Yeah, I'm I can't wait for that game. It like I think for Justin Fields like I I think Trevor Lawrence is still going to go number 1, but I think Justin Fields like it for me it was the accuracy because he's he has he's struggled with the accuracy not even just this year, even last year like he there were times where he like he wasn't as accurate as he wanted to be. He was as accurate as you could possibly be in that game, which I think, you know, he was there were some draft boards where he was falling behind Zach Wilson, and thats I don't think that's the case anymore. I think he is definitely the number two quarterback again. Uh, and it's funny because, like, this team reminds me so much of the 2014 Ohio State team where, like, a lot of people were like, should they be in the playoff? And then they go and they get a huge first win, and they get a huge first win because of an insanely good running game. Like, Trey Sermon is looking like Zeke Elliott did on that 2014 run to the title, so – I know the line is like seven and a half, eight points right now in favor of Alabama. Um, and I I think that's ridiculous. Like they they shellacked Clemson. And Clemson certainly, as the game went on, you saw how much they missed Tony Elliott, out offensive coordinator. Like if, if you don't have your play caller there, it's it's gonna hurt you. But I don't think it hurt them in the sense where it like became a blowout. I think Ohio State was gonna win that game, even if Tony Elliott was there calling plays. But we got Alabama. We got Ohio State in the final. We'll talk about that final uh, later on this week. We'll make our picks, and it, it should be, like you said, it should be an absolute blast. I, I think I saw, too, that the over-under for it is, like, reaching, like, record levels. Right. I mean, I'm 
Man, I'm flying that day back to New York. I better be home in time. I'm going to be so mad. I'm going to be so upset. Be so Watch, upset. Watching it on your phone. Luckily, they luckily sports start so late on the East Coast, and especially like championship games, for some reason, they're always like, let's make this start as late as freaking possible. Yeah, if they're not hosting the trophy after midnight, what's the point? What's the point? God forbid we let people get to sleep at a decent hour. All right, Jan, uh, I'm going to talk about the Orange Bowl, Texas A&M. Against North Carolina, of course, A&M was, was the one team really that had an issue with Notre Dame or Ohio State making it over them. Uh, North Carolina was probably the team that I thought mostly didn't deserve to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. I thought Indiana should have been here instead of North Carolina. Final score doesn't really do it justice. Uh, the, the Aggies won 41-27, to but that last touchdown was a real late, late one. And, and I thought Texas A&M was about as underwhelming in this game as like you could be. And there hasn't been one peep about them being unjustly left out since that game because, like, they didn't prove it at all. Like, Kellen Mond is a four-year starter, but he looked like he was starting his first game in comparison to Sam Howell. The tar- and the Tar Heels especially, like, especially after Notre Dame and Clemson's performance, like, this was the chance for A&M to be like, hey, look how good we are, and did not do it. The Tar Heels were without their star running backs, a, a myriad of other defensive players, but they were in this game to the absolute end. Uh, and my biggest takeaway probably from this one was like, I know Sam Howell doesn't look like the prototypical pro quarterback. I think he's only about 6'1", but I think he's going to be a first-round selection next year, possibly a top 10. He, he's just got all the skills. He makes big plays when his team needs it most. Like A&M won this game, but I think all the credit goes to the Tar Heels, in my opinion. I agree. I was so impressed with UNC that entire game. And even though they lost, it did not feel like it at all. You're right. They, the the last touchdown came so late. So I, yeah, I. It's like what we said going into it, right? If you're gonna bitch and complain, you better you better back it up in the game that you do get. And the two teams that were bitching and complaining, A and M underwhelmed, Coastal Carolina lost. That's what happens when you when you do that. That's what happens. So just everybody calm down. <laughs> now you can bitch and complain all you want, but you just better back up. You know, if you're right. gonna talk the talk, walk the walk. Like right, and they. How how are you not more motivated to put off a better performance? I don't I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's whatever. Texas A and M, they, and I agree totally about Kellen Mond. The fact that that Sam Howell went out there and like outplayed a Texas A and M starting quarterback that's been there for so long it was embarrassing. Starting for four years and like was horrible. Like that's who you think deserves to be in the college football playoff, job or Jimbo, Jabo, Jimbo, whatever their Jabo names, names are. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah, it's Southern boys. Yeah, it's uh, it was disappointing for sure. Um, and UNC, you know, Sam Howell. I agree. I mean, if the Patriots, for God knows what, he feels like a Patriots quarterback. I saw him playing, and I was like, you know, kind of like underwhelming, but like really good still. That that's like a Patriots quarterback I can get behind. He seems like a Patriots. There's been one Patriots quarterback for 20 years. So he seems like Tom Brady is what you're saying. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Hey, maybe I like Sam Howell. So, you know, there you go. Let him, let him be Tom Brady. <laughs> not going to take Brady. it away from him. I'll, I'll let him be Tom Brady. There you go. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll move over to another bowl. Uh, we uh, had another exciting bowl that day, uh, which is the Peach Bowl, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, in case we need to remind you that bowl games are for money. 
Um, anyway, the Peach Bowl played between Georgia and Cincinnati, nine and eight respectively. This was kind of a conference game uh, in terms of like, you know, how close is is Cincinnati to those SEC teams? You know, they they kind of were all about the, you know, we won out. And so like, how can you say, you know, we didn't get to play and the AAC is not getting enough credit or whatever. I don't know. But anyway, there was a lot of conversation about like, is Cincy that much better than the AAC where they can compete with an SEC team? Uh, it almost worked, uh, but it didn't. Georgia won 24 to 21 off. And I'm going to give the kicker a lot of credit here. They got a 53 yard field goal in the closing seconds by Jack Podlesny. He hit three field goals in this close game to secure the Bulldogs win. Basically they only had 24 points. He scored nine of them. So there you go. Uh, it was a tough battle between two tough defenses. Uh, there's this crazy stat, Matt, where they had a com- they were a combined four for fifteen on third down. Like they just they were getting they were getting shellacked every time that they were close. Uh, and yeah, Georgia's defense won the turnover battle by one, uh, and that kind of was turned the tide of the game a little bit. Since he had a twenty-one to ten lead after Jerome Ford broke off a, like a seventy-nine yard run at the top of the third, but then Georgia scored fourteen unanswered in the fourth to win the game. Uh, I still loved what Desmond Ritter brought to this game. I still think he's a great quarterback uh, for Cincinnati. And Cincinnati played really well. But at the end of the day, I think the SEC is just still better, even with their worst off teams. I think that's just what it is. They're still they're just a little bit underneath. They're not so far underneath. It's not like Georgia blew them out, but they still couldn't hang on to it. And that is the gulf still between AAC and, and SEC. Yeah, and I, uh, this probably isn't the greatest iteration of, of Georgia, too. I think the defense is, is still elite because Kirby Smart always has elite defenses. But, man, could you could you imagine if that team had Justin Fields? Like, how how did you guys ever let him transfer to Ohio State? Because, like, each year I watch Georgia, I'm just like, your defense is as good as anybody, but you can't move the ball. Right, uh, Exactly. But yeah, it was. I was. I was really still still impressed with Cincinnati uh, yeah. at the end. Like I, I think you're right. It's just the the horses that Georgia had. But my favorite part of this this game was uh, the end of it during the trophy celebration. Cincinnati sophomore cornerback Justin Harris went out and just watched the entire trophy ceremony by himself after the loss, and like just was doing it to like motivate himself. And I I absolutely love that. So coming into next year, Justin Harris from Cincinnati will be undoubtedly one of my favorite college football players because that is just the kind of cojones I love to see. Yeah, that's a ball that's a baller move. I if I was the other team, I would be intimidated seeing him watch me, honestly. I would not feel any just I'd a lone like, dude too. Like not like if it was a group of guys, it would be way less it would be like, oh yeah, whatever. But like just one guy just like I'm watching this and I'm getting motivated. Right. It's like, just know that every time you lift that trophy, that's one more time I'm going to light you up next year. And it's like, jeez. Even though they probably won't play, but. <clears throat> hey, you never know. He's going to light somebody up. Oh, it's can't wait for the Justin Harris highlights next year. For sure. All right. Well, that's uh, that's the end of our, our bowl topics. I've, I've implored Yannick to not make me have to talk about the bowls too much because it's just a. <laughs> That's how, I, that's how I feel about the Bulls this year. But I am excited for the national championship game, and, and we'll get more in-depth on that one later in the week for sure. It should be should be a good one. I'll be pulling for the Buckeyes for sure, but we'll see. Uh, Jan, let's let's take that trip across the pond. 
let's hit it, make our way through France and Spain and Italy and England and Germany. Why don't you hit us off with the Bundesliga? Uh, tell us what you're kind of seeing from the league and, and who you think is still going to be taking home the trophy at the end of the year. Well, you know who I think is <clears throat> still going to be taking home the trophy. It's Bayern Munich. Uh, they are at the top of the table right now. That is a shocking. I've, I've, well, I thought for sure you were going to pick someone else. Right. I mean, I know it's not what the betters are, are putting their money on, but uh, I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you the, the, the facts. I'm here to tell surprise, you. Surprise, surprise. Bayern Munich is still the best team in Germany. Oh, boy. But yeah, they lead the table with 33 points. Had a tough win against Mainz um, this weekend. <clears throat> that they were losing. They've here's a bit. I, I, you know, we were gonna do it, bets, but you know, we didn't. And and like, here's something. Uh, if you want to put money on an interesting thing, Bayern has conceded the first goal in in eight straight games. So if you want to put Gladbach to score the first goal against Bayern this Friday, put that money. It's not going to be good, but it, it put that money. They will score first. They won't win, but they will score first. And I'm going to be pissed about it, but it's whatever. Um, Bayern in first with 33 points. Leipzig underneath them with 31. Then it's Leverkusen with 28. And Dortmund, despite a win, in fourth place with 25 points. They are six points. uh, Sorry, not six points. LOL. Let's count Yannick. Eight points behind Bayern um, already, you know, with not even – it's kind of baffling to me uh, how poorly they're doing. And – and uh, they're still like a top contender of Bayern regardless of where they sit. So it, it kind of doesn't bode well for the rest of the Bundesliga if they're not going to be there to challenge them. Uh, this weekend's a big one, though. Bayern played Gladbach, obviously a Champions League contender and a classic rival of Munich. They often have Bayern's numbers. So that'll be an important one. Uh, if if anyone's going to take points away from Bayern, it, it could be Gladbach. And Dortmund play Leipzig in a game that both need to win. They can't tie that game. They tie that game. The Bayern's run away with the title. They one of them has to win. If Dortmund, Dortmund is going to be out of the race if they don't win, in my opinion, because they'll be start to be like nine or ten points behind, and that's not something they're going to make up. And Leipzig are only two points behind. But if they drop points and Bayern wins, all of a sudden it becomes more than a game. And when you have more than a game on Bayern, they they usually make that gap bigger as the season goes on, not smaller. Uh, so it's a big weekend for the Bundesliga. Could work out either way. Uh, going to be exciting for sure. Uh, in terms of stats, got to throw it in there. Lewandowski, top scorer in the Bundesliga by nine goals with 19. He's on pace to beat Gerd Muller's record of 40 in a season, hoping that uh, the newly crowned best player uh, in the world can do that. And Thomas Muller leads the assist categories with eight. All my Bayern boys doing well. Yeah, it's it's like surprising the most part for me with Dortmund is like eight wins, one draw, five losses. Like even just like a few more draws in there and, and you're doing a lot better. But the fact that like they aren't able to to save some points because like Bayern, 10 wins, three draws, one loss. Leipzig, nine wins, four draws, one loss. Even Leverkusen, like eight wins, four draws, two losses. Like it, it as a soccer fan, like you obviously you always want to win, but it, in the long run, like being able to make some losses into ties is, is what can save your season a lot. And, and that's, it's certainly hurting Dortmund quite a bit. It's uh, not been, not been the season we expected from them. Uh, I'll head on over to the EPL, to the premier league. It's uh, it's off to a, a crazy start. Liverpool's one Oh defeat to Southampton yesterday means that Manchester United has a chance to take the top spot of the table. Uh, in their next match against Burnley, which is just music to the ears of a United fan. I know we've got a long, long 
road to go, but uh, it's been a long time since Man U sat at the top of the table in January, so I will take it. But I, I think, you know, more so it just kind of marks the disappointing play of, of Liverpool <laughs> this year, which is making for a year of great parity in the EPL. Like last year, we saw a lot of parity, but Liverpool ran away with it. Now Liverpool's kind of in, in the parity with everybody else. It's It's, you know, it's the reason, in my opinion, why it's the best league because it is it is so close. Only seven points separate Liverpool at the top from the tenth place team, which is West Ham. Uh, and there's traditional names in the top ten, but joining the Hammers is the likes of that Southampton team. You've got Leicester again competing; they're all the way up in third. And Austin Villa, Austin Villa was nearly relegated last year. It took the last day of the season for them to get up to seventeenth and save themselves. And they're in sixth right now, or they're in seventh. Pardon me. Uh, I, I like. I still think Liverpool or maybe even City, if if they can figure out what they like, should are, are probably the two favorites in this. But the league's wide open, uh, and whether it be Champions League or the Europa League, I think there's going to be some surprise surprise names in Europe next year representing the EPL. As it should be. I mean, there's so many good teams in the EPL, and you're right. It just takes one off year, and not even super off. They're still at the top, but it just takes one team not dominating like Man City has, like Liverpool has in the past, and anything can happen. Uh, and I think I think this game this week, and I'm not saying it decides anything, of course, but just in the, in the course of Manchester United trying to come back on the track of being a big club that competes for the Premier League, I think it's a big one because you have the opportunity at your hands. It's a team you should beat. Um, I think it's an important one, and I hope... I hope we see the Manchester United that beats out Burnley 3-0 and not the Manchester United that, you know, gets a late draw. That's what I I, I hope for you, my friend. Yeah, I was going to say, you hope. <laughs> I'll tell you about hope. This is why I didn't want to win the English League Cup game. I don't want to have to play City tomorrow. I just want to focus on the Premier League, but whatever. We should, we should still beat um, Burnley and then... If they do beat Burnley, it, the next match is, is with Liverpool, which, you know, in that one, it, it you know, could really make a statement. And, uh, you know, we'll see where the season goes. But it should be a fun one in, in the EPL. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Really excited. Every game is important, it seems like, which is what you want to see. Uh, it feels like the Big Ten of of soccer. So there you go. Uh, let's move on. That's <laughs> that's apps too, because, like, probably the deepest league, but, like, doesn't always – win the national championship or win the champions league. So that's a good one, Jan. Thank you. I, yeah, I just thought they beat up on each other and none of them are consistent. That's what I, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> oh boy. Cause they're good. We don't get to play the bottom of the Bundesliga all the time. That's true. That's true. You don't get to play Mainz. My favorite thing about the game against Mainz, which I have to put in, we were losing one zero uh, and Kimmich was in midfield and we were getting hacked down the right side. And so the coach was like, okay, I know that you're a good midfielder. We have a problem. I'm going to put you there, and that's going to stop the problem. And he put him there, and he assisted a goal, and they didn't have another shot in the second half. So, like, <laughs> he, started, he started as a as a fullback, didn't he? He started as a right back, but then he was so good in the midfield that they said, oh, we can fix this. We'll just yeah. have another person at right back. But then they're like, so, remember how you're also the best right back in the world? Philip, Philip Lom, number two. Yeah. Truly. There, 
There you go. There you go. Oh man, Philip Lom. R- I I miss him every day. Um, <laughs> it's not like you were about to say R.I.P. I I retire in peace. Retire in peace. Um, it feels like R.I.P. I miss the days where Lom was just the most consistent guy. Anyway, let's go to La Liga. Let's go to Spain. Uh, and you know what, Matt? We called it. We called it. We called it. And here it is, Atletico Madrid at the top of the table with 38 points. Uh, it was a close one. They got a last-second win over Alaves this last game. Uh, Real Madrid in second with 36 points. That sets up an exciting La Liga run between the two Madrid teams for the top. Excited to see. Real Sociedad, who had the lead for a while, still in it technically. They're third place, but they're eight points behind Atletico. They've got 30 uh, they dropped more points against Osasuna this last weekend. Then you've got Villarreal with 29, Barcelona with 28, Sevilla with 27. So you got a lot of traditional clubs with some newbies in there as well. Uh, but really the story is Atletico Madrid versus Real Madrid. You know, that's Real Madrid's always been the older brother, and now it seems like Atletico might have the edge this year. Uh, big weekend ahead. Uh, on a Saturday, all the big boys play. Atletico plays Athletic Club. Real Madrid plays Osasuna, Barcelona plays Granada, and Sevilla and Sociedad square off against each other. So a lot of points will be recalibrated there. The one important thing to keep in mind, though, Matt, Atletico Madrid is two points ahead of Real Madrid with two games in hand. That is ridiculous. They, I mean, they're they're playing with house money right now, and they're playing really well. João Felix and Luis Suarez look like a match made in heaven. So old gun, young gun. Uh, it's going to be really hard to beat, in my opinion. I, I think... I, I honestly think they probably have it locked up with a couple more wins. Anyway, uh, and I, I want to give a shout out to Iago Aspas just because Celta Vigo sucks this season, but he is the top scorer and the top assist guy in La Liga. He has both of those categories. So I just, I want to give him a shout out. That's pretty cool. That is, that's well done, Iago. He's a good player. He's a great player. He he. I mean, I love him. He's great. There's so many. There's so many like really just talented players on like crappy teams in La Liga. Like I so I feel like every team in La Liga almost has like at least like one dude that's like close to world class. Like that is could be playing for most clubs, and they're just unfortunately not at one of those good clubs. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it, it feels like Atletico with those two games in hand and having the two point lead, it, it feels like they have quite a, a lot of control. Uh, of the league and like most clubs too you would maybe be worried about like a oh a late 2-1 win over Olivez like that's not all but like that's all Atletico wants to do like their last three results 2-1-1-0-2-0 that's that's just what they do and like they're that is what they're content with they're gonna make it tough for you to score they're gonna find a goal or two there's many you know just one more than whatever you're able to get against them and uh yeah they're they're sitting real pretty and uh, we'll see if they can kind of – they haven't quite replicated that form in the Champions League, but we'll see if they're able to. Uh, I'm going to head on over to the Serie A. It's the uh, the Milan teams separating themselves from the pack in Italy. AC Milan sitting first with 37 points and Inter in second with 36. Uh, both of us, you know, I think we're really high on Inter's chances to to dethrone Juventus this year. And after a slow start, they've, they've found their form and they're rolling now. But – uh, I, I think AC Milan, you know, has certainly been the best team in the league since the start. They they kind of have been in. I mean, I feel like they've been in first since match day three or four, and have have held on to that for for quite a while. It's you know the ageless Ibrahimovic who's still helping lead the way in, in, in incredible fashion. Only only Zlatan, like I I the guy is. I don't even want to call him an enigma because like that puts too much actual like 
thought in how to describe him. I, I don't know how you describe just what Zlatan Ibrahimovic has been able to do. Like he, he gets older and he still is just scoring goals and making everyone laugh and uh, just being the Ibrahimovic we all love. Uh, you know, I, I think a title race too, it was always fun when it's at, you know, added with the, the rivalry of, of, or the added drama of a rivalry. So these teams and their fans will be watching one another closely. I am going to give the nod to enter to, to take home the title at this point. I just think they have a little bit more of a talented roster with a little more firepower. Um, like I think AC Milan has been, been, like I said, probably the best, the most consistent team all year, but th- there hasn't been a time where you've been like, Oh man, like AC looks like really, really good. Enter starting to kind of hit that stride. So I'm going to go with Inter, but I think it's going to be a neck-and-neck battle between those two uh, up until, you know, the last match day. I I, I hope so. I There's some a part of me, Matthew, and, you know, sometimes there's just signs you get that makes you think things. And uh, Juventus plays AC Milan this week, and AC Milan will not have Zlatan for that game. And that... That worries me because I'm, Juventus is 10 points behind Milan. I'm not saying that it, it's it's going to be Juventus' to win. But I can see Juventus winning that game. They looked really good to start off the new year. Uh, Ronaldo playing out of his mind. I There's just something about me that says we're going to be disappointed. There's just something in my blood that tells me Juventus is going to come from behind and win this late. I don't know I don't, what it is. I don't think so. I don't think they. I I have a I have a more faith in them catching AC. I could see AC losing some steam. I I I, I don't think Juventus is going to catch Inter. Yeah, I mean, whew, I'm excited regardless. I hope it's a new team. Uh, it's the league I'd like to see a new team win. And uh, speaking of of leagues, we'd like to see new teams win in. <laughs> Perfect segue. Let's go to league. Uh, let's go to the French league. Um. You know, it's not PSG in the lead just yet. Lyon holds on to the lead. They have 36 points. Lille right behind them with 36. And then it's PSG with 35. Uh, here's the stat to know, though, Matt. PSG has scored the most goals and conceded the fewest. They have a plus nine goal differential on leaders Lyon. So the results just haven't gone their way recently. But they're only one point behind. Mbappe leads Lyon with 12 goals. Let's just... Let's calm down. I, again, we, we're excited to see Leon there. We hope Leon can can challenge them, but uh, that's not going anywhere. Uh, and that's all I have to say. The other a fun statistic to let you know what French soccer is like, though French league soccer. Um, I always look at red cards to see how many people have like more than one red card. And for every league, there's like one guy that has like more than one red card. In France, four different players have two red cards. <laughs> Four different players have gotten sent off twice. <laughs> that that is that's incredible. <laughs> I know. I'm just like that's fair. If you watch the game, they 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 tackle. They tackle there. It's hard to play there sometimes. That, that's yeah. And good on them. Nice to you know the French are always getting uh, crap for how soft they are. Not not those guys. They're uh, they're really showing the the grit of the French league. Oh, but God. yeah, no, I mean, it's honestly, like, like you said, it's, it's kind of nice that, you know, we're at 17 matches in and, and PSG hasn't run away with it yet. But I think in the long run over, over the full season, it, we'd all be pretty shocked if like, I, I think, I think PSG would have to be down 10 points right now for, for any real kind of threat to, to be happening. And, and like you said, they're down one. So seems like we'll be 
crowning Paris champions of, of France again. But that is our, our soccer talk from all the five major leagues in Europe. Sorry to all the other countries in Europe. Sorry, Portugal and Ukraine and Russia. We can can only do so much. I don't, I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, make the semifinals of the Champions League and we'll talk. Just one of your teams. I'm not even saying all of them. Just one. <laughs> all You need to have all four teams in the Champions League final and then we will respect you. Yeah, except some of those some of those nations don't even get four teams in the Champions League. I know. Them. My, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's just like the top. Por, just Portugal might. I Portugal topic, it's, for, topic for another day. That's true. That's that's going to get into too much. <laughs> Start figuring how many does Israel get? Uh, but yeah, that's that's our soccer talk for the week. And uh, we're we're thinking Jan's going. I think we both agree with Atletico. I think we both agree with PSG. Uh, I'm sticking with Inter. Liverpool. Who do you? Who do you? I guess my one, one last question is: Who do you think uh, takes home the crown in the EPL? I, I Manchester United. I think they do. Oh my, don't I, even tease me like that. I, I think they do. I just there's something about it's something about their team right now that for whatever reason in the EPL they they play well and and they have and you know they're getting results in both ways. They're playing well and getting results, but they're also like getting those gritty 1-0 Bruno Fernandez penalty results. And you need to be able to get both to win the EPL. That's just like the truth. You need to be able to get wins at all costs. Liverpool's not looking well. Man City's not looking well. It might be your year, buddy. It really might. I hate I'm sorry I used buddy, but it's 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 Dude, you, true. when you're te- when you're talking about Manchester being champions, you can call me whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you call me. That is the best thing I've heard. So uh, yeah, I, buddy, dickhead, it, whatever. It's it's cool if, if it is accompanied with you saying Manchester United will be champions because I certainly am not going to say it yet. But God, I I'm I'm it's starting to enter my you know thoughts of like holy shit, we could maybe be in this race. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's a that's not that must not be a fun place to be in. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> My head's a scary, scary place to be, and that's that's for sure. Hope, scary thing. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. All right, Jan. Let's uh, get our make our way over to the the meat and potatoes of our episode, and that is the NFL playoffs. They are all set. We we've got it all laid out. The AFC. There's the one seed Chiefs. The number two seed Bills will be playing the seven seed Colts. The number three seed Steelers will be playing the six seed Browns. Four-seed Titans playing the five-seed Ravens. And then over on the NFC, it is my Packers sitting there at the one seed. The Saints at the two will be playing the Bears at the seven. The Seahawks at three and Rams at six in a little divisional battle. And then Washington football team, as we talked about earlier, NFC North crown, they get the four-seed and they will be playing Tampa Tom and the Buccaneers at the five-seed. Jan, my first question for you is – who is your favorite from from each bracket from the NFC AFC side? You can you can start. I'll let you pick whichever side first, and then I'll, uh, I'll I'll chime in with with who I've got. Right. I mean, I'll start with the AFC since I guess that's my division. It doesn't feel like it anymore, but it it technically is. Uh, the uh, Chiefs are my favorite. I mean, they got Patrick Mahomes, they got Travis Kelsey, they got Tyreek Hill. They've got a decent defense. Uh, they're they're going to be the favorites until someone can show me that they can beat Patrick Mahomes because they've looked 
not 100% sometimes this game. But I think there's only one team that can beat the, the Chiefs, uh, and they're not in the AFC. So I, I think that uh, the Chiefs are going to be my AFC favorites uh, from that side of the bracket. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for the AFC, you kind of be a fool to not go with Kansas City. So I'll be a fool, and I'm going to go with the, the Bills. Okay. Oh, they've, uh, they've been demolishing opponents left and right. I mean, the last like three wins have been basically by 30 points. And if not for a Hail Mary in the desert, they'd be riding a 10 game winning streak. We don't talk about form in sports a lot outside of soccer, but like the Bills are as in form as any team in the NFL. Like Josh Allen just seems to get better every day. Uh, this relationship with his receivers, I think the defense is tough enough. So it's, uh, I, I mostly was just like, each year in the NFL, it's so easy to look at the top seeds and, and just like pick them. And I'm obviously going to go with the top seed in the NFC when we get there. Um, I mean, and, and there's a reason they're the best teams in the conference all year. It's tough to not be like, oh, yeah, they're going to stay the best team. They get their, both their playoff games at home. Uh, and there is something to that. Out of the last seven Super Bowls, four meetings have been between the two number one seeds. And there haven't been a seed higher than a two seed in the Super Bowl since 2013. So I, I do kind of think that trend continues with, with the two seed Bills or the one seed Chiefs. I mean, I, if you had to make me bet money, I would probably bet, bet the Chiefs. But I'm going to go with the Bills just for – a little bit of fun and then yeah nfc wise I, i'm i'm obviously gonna be a homer and go with the, the the pack as my favorite but also you know rogers looks as dialed in as ever they get those two home games in lambo in january which makes a big difference the, the this is only the second time rogers has ever had the number one seed with the pack uh and i think too like offensively this is the most balanced i've ever seen the packers with, with their running attack and the passing game and you know that defense is, is better than advertised they're not great at really anything i mean they've got some great cornerbacks but they're good at almost everything like i think they're 14th in passing yards allowed 16th in rushing yards but in total yards they're like fourth or fifth so they're, they're just real solid um but yeah my, my favorite the afc i'm gonna go bills and nfc i'm gonna take the pack right i'm taking the pack too for the nfc and 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 i i here's what i'll say the bills i i could see picking over the chiefs you're right they're very informed um but for me, it stands for these teams have a lot in common with each other. They have just le- what will be a legendarily great and an already legendarily great quarterback, right? And they have two big weapons. Not one, two. Bills have one. Bills have Stephon Diggs. Everybody else outside of that is okay. And 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 Josh Allen is obviously the great quarterback that will match up with Rodgers and Mahomes, fine. But they've got that one weapon. Chiefs have Kelsey and Hill, two 1,000-yard receivers. And the Packers have... Devontae Adams, the best receiver in the league, and Aaron Jones, one of the best running backs in the league. There you go. It's really hard to stop two weapons when you got a great quarterback who can who can use them both, you know? And and that is why I picked those two number one seeds. Uh, and in the NFC, I mean, the AFC, I can see picking the Bills. In the NFC, I don't know why you would pick any other team over the Packers, how they've done down the stretch. There's no reason for me to pick any team outside of that. So that was an easy choice for me. Like, the Packers are great. I think they're the one team that could beat the Chiefs, too. But... On top of that, the NFC is so inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. We'll, we'll kind of get more into that uh, as we we go down. But but I agree. I feel like the the AFC has like may, maybe there's more parity with the NFC teams, but the AFC feels like they have like more legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Like I know the Saints have been good, but they don't they don't feel like the normal Saints. And we also know how the Saints have done in the playoffs um, the last yeah. couple of years. 
Let's go to dark horses, Jan. I will. Uh, I'm going to start with the AFC one, and uh, maybe I'm I'm taking the easy way out here by going first and also picking this team. But I'm going to go with the Ravens. Uh, I know it's it's kind of tough to call them a dark horse, considering they were the one seed last year and probably the second hottest team in the NFL behind Buffalo. But they are still the five seed, uh, and I think getting Tennessee in their first game was like a great draw for them because I just think they'll be so ready to to get after that team and get a little revenge from last year. Um, and like we talked about, I think last week or so, I, I think it's going to really just like help Lamar and Baltimore that even as the five seed and even as like, they probably have more expectations for than more, most five seeds normally do. Um, although, you know, Tampa over there at the five has, has some expectations as well. But I think like not being the one seed, not being like just the overall favorite, having that pressure not be there like that, that helps the team a lot. So I think the Ravens have, have a legitimate chance at uh, making a run to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I also picked the Ravens because, you know, for two reasons and and, uh, three reasons here, Uh, you mentioned all the things, you know, they're, they're kind of under the radar and that might help them. But my first reason is Lamar is heating up and he's not heating up on the ground. He's been good on the ground all game. He's thought showing what he can do with his arm lately. He's thrown eight touchdowns in his last three games, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for him, that's a lot. He's thrown a lot of touchdowns lately. Marquise Brown is looking real good there. Uh, so I I worry about that. If if the Ravens find their passing game, how do you stop them? I don't know if you can. That's That becomes really hard. J.K. Dobbins. The, the Titans certainly won't be stopping them. Right, exactly, exactly. J.K. Dobbins looking really good too for that team. He broke out in Week 17. If he can continue that, he becomes a playoff X factor, in my opinion. Uh, and let's just talk about the Ravens' defense. They're seventh in yards allowed. They're second in points allowed. They're third in forced fumbles. I mean, they needed some work in the secondary, and they're not the best on the pass rush, but they can hold you up real good, and they've showed it all season. Uh, despite the Ravens' offense kind of being in and out sometimes, so I think the Ravens are a great dark horse candidate. Uh, and I think they can, with Lamar quarterback, they can challenge anyone. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the, you, that sort of weapon is, uh, you just, you can't really even like account for it with, with just how good he is. All right, Jan, give me your dark horse in the NFC. Well, I'm glad we agree on the AFC because we're not going to agree on the NFC. I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as my dark horse. Here's the thing. They haven't scored lower than 26 points since that week 10 loss to the Saints. Tom Brady has 40 touchdowns in the season, over 4,500 yards. That's crazy considering people were saying he can't throw anymore. Mike Evans had another career year. It seems like he didn't really hurt his knee all that much in the Week 17 um, wins, so he should be good to go. And in ta- talking about X-Factors, Antonio Brown has three touchdowns in the last three games for Tampa Bay. And the defense ain't half bad either. So I think the Tampa Bay Bucks have all of the pieces in place to beat a lot of NFC teams. You know, I think when they come up against the Packers would be hard, but I do believe that they got the talent. They got the quarterback who knows how to do it better than anyone. You know, Jan, my, uh, my dark horse is actually um, from that game as well. I'm going to go with Washington. Like we all know how bad the NFC East is. We we don't need to lament on that, but the last time a team had with a losing record uh, made the playoffs, they won their first playoff game. It was the Seahawks when they went seven and nine. And I, I just think Washington, am I picking them to beat Tampa Bay? Or no, Absolutely not. I'm not. But I, I think they have a chance because I just think they have a really good formula, especially for playoff football. They've got a ferocious defense that creates turnovers. They've got a good running game. 
and you get that veteran quarterback in Alex Smith. Now, Alex Smith has to play a lot better than he did against Philly. He was making you know lots of mistakes and turned the ball over himself quite a lot. He, he's going to have to be the the Alex Smith that we know. Uh, and I think turnover wise, I think Washington's going to have to win the turnover battle pretty convincingly. Like I think they're going to have to get two or three more turnovers than than any team that they're playing to make upset happen. But I think they they've got a formula there that could surprise some people. And I think too. You know, they come in seven and nine, limping from the NFC East. It's really, really easy to overlook a team. And and you you can never overlook any NFL team. So my dark horse from the NFC. I was gonna go the Rams, but with, with the injury to Jared Goff, it, I, I I couldn't do it. So I gave I gave some love to Alex Smith and Ron Rivera. I, I like that. And you know, talk about two stories that are in complete opposite spectrums of annoying us. Like if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went to win, I would be so annoyed at everything we'd be hearing about Tom Brady for the next year. Don't get me like, it'd be the worst situation. And also if the Washington football team went and won with Alex Smith coming back, what a story I would, I would never forget the season as long as I live, as long as I live. Oh my goodness. He does. He deserves it. Come on, Alex. He does. He does. I agree. <laughs> All right, uh, Jan. Give me a give me a game or two, or, or just kind of any, any upsets you see. Uh, possible upsets, kind of being a worry here in the first round of the wild card. Um, not not too far down the, the road, but out of these first six games, what are what's a game or two that you kind of see some some possible upsets happening? Right. Well, I'll give you two. We talked about the first one. Uh, Ravens play the Titans. Titans technically the top seed, so it's considered an upset. And I think they do get upset. They barely beat the Texans to win the division. They almost they almost lost it. I know Deshaun Watson's great. I know Deshaun Watson's great, but it's still the Texans. Like you have to, you have to win that game more convincingly in your own division. Uh, when when your division's on the line, it was really disappointing. They're inconsistent. They rely too much on Derrick Henry, which we saw when they played the Packers and got shellacked. And, you know, they play the Ravens first. That's an unlucky draw with how the Ravens have been playing. They're going out in the first round, in my opinion. Uh, the next team is the Seahawks, another team that's technically the higher seed, but you wouldn't know it compared to how they play. Yes, I get it. The Rams are missing their quarterback. But their coach is brilliant, and they just beat the Cardinals to get in the playoffs without their quarterback. So what's to say they couldn't do it again? Rams have the second most sacks and are the best in terms of not allowing yards on the defense. Meanwhile, Russell Wilson, most sacked quarterback of all time, and the Seahawks, for whatever reason, refused to establish the run game. Refused to establish the run game. Chris Carson had 11 carries last week. He had. 16- I was getting so mad. It was terrible. And you know what this is, Matt? I would understand it if they had a running back committee and there was a and they could only get 11 touches each. But Carlos Hyde and, Dow- and D- DJ Dallas are both out. Run Carson 20 times a game. Run Carson 20 times a game. That's all you got to do. Get some pressure off of, of Russell because otherwise you're losing this game. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I actually didn't even consider the Ravens tight ones because the Ravens are favored by three and a half points. I, I, I would think it's be an upset if the Titans won that one. Um, AFC wise though, like I, I said, I picked the bills as, as my favorite. Um, but I think the Colts are, have a, have a really good chance. Like I, I think the Ravens are going to fly through the Titans and, uh, you know, the Steelers Brown game after last weekend, who knows? So I, I went with the Colts from the AFC. They got this, that stout defense. Uh, Jonathan Taylor really is emerging. T Y Hilton's back after being missing for like a year and a half. So, uh, I think they do have the pieces there to pull off the upset. For, for Buffalo. Um, 
I don't think they're going to, but I, I think I think they I think the pieces are there to make it happen. Um, and as for the NFC, like I kind of feel like there's an upset possibility in every game. I already mentioned Washington, um, but the Rams and, and and Bears I think could easily beat New Orleans and Seattle. I think the Rams upset is far more likely um, because like the the Bears are going to have to get some you know things to fall in their favor, but they do have a, a stout defense. And, and we I mentioned earlier the Saints have been very underwhelming in the playoffs and now we're kind of dealing with their own COVID stuff. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you. NFC wise, the most likely one to happen is the Rams over Seattle. That, that, that offense has just looked stagnant of late and they're going up against the best defense in the league. And, and you said it like Sean McVay is a, a really damn good coach and he puts his players in positions to win. And, you know, if John Wofford can make just enough plays like he did against Arizona, uh, I think McVay will, will lead LA to, to the win. So I also want to point out, Jan, we had a topic like a month or two ago, probably not two months ago, that's far too long, a month, month and a half ago, about which teams in the playoffs would not make it and which would sneak in. And I called Arizona and Miami missing out. I did get it wrong. I had the Ravens sneaking back in, and then I picked the Vikings. So I I, I guess I should have gone with the Bears. But uh, just a second for me to toot my own horn right there. There you go. I mean, it's good to toot your horn when you can. And then when the Bucks make the play when make the NFC championship, you'll have to untoot it. So there you go. <laughs> Dude, they they can make the NFC championship. We'll we'll beat them there. I don't care. There you go. <laughs> anyway, I still stand by my critique of the Bucks has been far more closer than other people's. So everyone was giving them Super Bowl crown. And uh, I think they were closer to missing the, the playoffs than being a Super Bowl crown. So I uh, I don't have to untoot shit. All right, Yannick, uh, what is your most intriguing wild card game? Well, you mentioned it, Brown Steelers, right? Because they played each other last week. Browns almost lost to Mason Rudolph. I, it, it does, you know, it begs the question. But but it's like, which team has more questions to answer, right? The Browns make the playoffs for the first time in forever, but can they win a playoff game? Can they win a playoff game against their older brother, the Pittsburgh Steelers? And on the other side, can Big Ben show that this team is not just a team that got a lot of wins at the beginning, but it's actually a t- team that can compete in the AFC? Because we're talking about every other team but the Steelers, despite the Steelers having one of the better records, right? It's We've all but forgotten them and they do have the weapons there and i mean it there's things that can change you know if they can establish their run game if their receivers can catch the damn ball then then this team can beat other people but right now it kind of seems like can they even if the browns are bad like i don't know um so and you know afc north rivals going up in the playoffs that's what you want that's what you want to see um so i think that's my most intriguing game yeah, I I had I had the same one. I I think <laughs> you're right. Like the Browns barely held on against the Mason Rudolph led Steelers team, and uh, but like Pittsburgh was was on that big slide before the Colts come back. The Browns defensive backs I think is like the biggest question for them. With like besides maybe Tennessee, like they look like the worst defensive backs in the league because like Mason Rudolph was just throwing the ball up and completing passes because the defensive backs of the Browns had just an inability to do anything with the ball in play. But like for me, I, I wonder too if the Browns held back on, on their play sheet and their play, like didn't want to show everything in that game, knowing that there was a good chance they'd be playing Pittsburgh next week. And when you talk about Baker Mayfield, like he relishes this role. He loves to be the underdog. He wants to be doubted. He wants to be counted out. He, he wants to be the one that has to like fight through. Like he, he, 
you put Baker Mayfield at the one seed, he's going to lose. You put him at the seven or the six seed, that's that's when he plays his best. So I, I think he's going to be dangerous. And like you said, the Steelers, they've looked a little better the, the last couple weeks, but those questions we had about them are, are still out there. And so I, I'm, I'm excited for this one. And we get two two divisional games in the wild cards. We got, and they're both the three and the six game. We get the Steelers and uh, and Browns here, and then the Rams and Seahawks. And, and like you said, the d- divisional battles in the playoffs are always a little more more exciting to watch. Right, exactly. And it 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 it's funny because I think if the Patriots had won against the uh, against the Bills and against the team before them, they would have been in the position to play the Bills first round of the playoffs. I thought about that the other day. I was like, we were these these two close wins away uh, at the beginning of the season from having to play the Bills now. So I'm glad we didn't make it. But yeah, it's going to be uh, just just a good a good wild card weekend. Like I mentioned at the start of the episode, the first time we have six playoff games going on um, in the uh, during over the weekend, which is you got to love more football, right? Always. Always more football. Always. I also yawn before we uh, before we get to the the cool down section. I do want to update. You went four and four this weekend. I went five and three. We, we finished the year. You at forty four and forty eight. Me at fifty one and forty one. So I have I have won the regular season picking of games. But we'll uh, we'll get new records for the playoffs. And since I'm probably going to pick the Packers the whole time, you you may have a chance to to best me there. Yeah, I mean, I'm also going to pick the Packers, so I don't know if I can. That's not going to help. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how much faith I really have in my uh, Bills as the favorite or Washington as the dark horse once we start actually picking games. Right, exactly. I'm like, you can pick Washington on this podcast, but I'd like to see you put money down on them, buddy. <laughs> Hell no. Oh, gosh. All right, Jan, we've made it through, and now we're here. We're down to the cool down section of the episode. Love it. Love it, love it. First uh, topic of our, our cool down section. I want you to recommend a movie to, to our listeners that you've watched recently. It doesn't have to be uh, a new movie. It doesn't have to be, you know, anything that you've kind of watched, uh, you know, in the last few weeks or so. Well, I it is a new movie. It came out last year. Uh, the Trial of the Chicago 7 is the movie that I'm going to recommend. Uh, it's written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, who, if you don't know Aaron Sorkin, just one of the most brilliant minds around in terms of artistry and and writing. Um, and it's got this amazing cast, Sasha Baron Cohen, Eddie Redmayne, Mark Rylance, Yahya Abdul-Mateen uh, II, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Michael Keaton. Uh, it's really beautifully done, and it's based on the 1969 trial of seven defendants charged by the government with conspiracy during the 1968 protests at the Chicago Democratic Convention. Uh, it's really good. Matt, for you, it's got history in it, so I know you love that. Uh, but So yeah, I'm recommending The Trial of the Chicago 7. It's on Netflix. I love I love Yaha Abdul-Mateen. I, um, there's some true stories, though, that I'm like, I don't really want to watch this movie. And it might be, too, that like my brother's a defense attorney, so sometimes getting like too close to that sort of subject, I'm like, I don't really want to see this dramatized, but... That cast makes me, uh, it's tough to say, to know watching all those guys act. Uh, I love Frank Langella. I mean, I love all those guys. They're, that's a that's a, a great cast, so I might have to give it a, a chance just for that one. Um, my one uh, is, uh, I, I rewatched 1917 recently, the World War oh. I movie by Sam Mendes. Yeah. Just like 
just such a beautifully shot film with like terrific imagery the whole time. It it feels more like a very like metaphorical story set in like realistic settings than like an actual realistic war story. Um, you know, you got the subtlety of George McKay's performance is, is just so powerful. I think subtle acting has uh, unfortunately been lost, especially in film as, as we saw with the, the Joker getting a lot of praise, but um, I, I think you also get to see like a lot of different types of leaders and how their personalities work in, in you know, a setting like war and, and, and such. So just a terrific film. I, I love 1917. Oh man. I, I always say I, 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 I have this terrible habit of like talking during movies. Uh, and there's been two movies in my lifetime that I was completely silent through. One of them was 1917. Didn't say a word, just like was on the edge of my seat. And the other one was Whiplash uh, back in the day with oh, Jake. I Mason love Whiplash, dude. And Miles Teller. That's another movie. Go watch Whiplash, but only if you're in like a good state of mind. So good. Otherwise, otherwise you'll pee your pants. It's Dude, so- me and my best friend, whenever we were like drinking after a while, I would, I'd start slapping him and be like, "That's not my tempo," and it was hysterical. I do that movie's that movie's so good. I and I like, I get your point too, like nineteen seventeen, because I love nineteen seventeen because like so many war movies, especially too. I feel like there's like a very like dragged out, like it's just so slow and like. 1917 throws you into it like right away. They're like, yo, you have to get to this location in a day or else all these people are going to die. And they're like, oh shit. And they're like, no, go right now. Like get, get moving. Like there's no really like down moments of it. Like the tension is just there from the start. Right. Exactly. It's I'm, yeah. It's just the, it's, it was the best movie that year. I, and, and I don't know. You're, I agree with you. The acting done in that movie was amazing by everybody involved because it was like you had these powerhouses being these little roles and their subtlety of their acting, even though it was beautiful. I mean, just so well done. Colin Firth and Benedict Cumberbatch and and the other guy's name uh, uh, from Fleabag. I, Andrew Scott. Yeah, Andrew Scott. And yeah. and Mark anytime Strong. they were all. Yes, and I love that part. All- I love that part too because it is like it's like hey, here's just like this kind of like a bit part at least time wise but like of all these just like tremendously talented british actors which is just like always kind of fun to see right exactly because that th- that was the point of the movie though right it's not those guys that are the ones the main characters of the war it's these little guys that have to like do these impossible tasks these nobodies those are the ones that actually died and lived and died with the war you know it's not necessarily the captains it was a great message i thought yeah. Uh, and I think too, just like kind of like what I mentioned, it's just like they're all, all those different leaders are so, they're so different. Like the, just like the different kind of leadership, the different kind of like way that one holds themselves. And are like Andrew Scott's like so, like almost, he almost seems like cavalier, but it's because he's been on the front line and he's seen some shit and like just all those different sort of elements of it. I think they do, they do a really tremendous job of it. But uh, yeah, 1917. Trial of the Chicago Seven and and Whiplash. You get an, an extra movie that we we want you to go watch. There you go. You have no excuses. See all of them. <laughs> as soon as you're done listening to this, go sit down and. All right, uh, Jan. I'm going to do. Uh, this is ki- kind of like a warm up to the quick fire questions. This is a would you rather, but we're both going to answer. So don't worry. Okay. It's a good one. Would you rather explore the bottom of the ocean? Like where like no one has been before or 
go to space. You uh, that answer could apply to both of them, Yannick. You know what? It's but no, it's, hey, it's your it's your it's your it's your answer. My answer. <laughs> uh, I am like okay. I, so here's the thing: I love the ocean, but I'm also like terrified of the ocean in the oh, okay. sense of like in life, like I'll go swimming in the ocean. I don't give a shit. I'll go on a boat and all that stuff. But like in life of pie, when he like falls off his little rafting and he's just floating in the ocean, I get so much anxiety because I'm just like, you're in a world where everything's at home and you're not. So there, there's a, I do have a little bit of like ocean anxiety. I mostly just think space is like the coolest thing in the world. Like to be able to go to space would be just like insane. And uh, like with, and, it would probably make me feel so minute and just like, man, we really, we really are small in the grand scheme of things. But it just sounds like an incredible uh, journey. I, I love the ocean, so I'm gonna say the bottom of the ocean. I just think there's something so amazing and beautiful about Earth itself, and like the life that could be down there that we just have known nothing about, and like that are underneath our own feet. Um, and yeah, I, I, and, and just like the crushing depths of the ocean, if there's some way that I could like experience the power of that without dying, um, I, <laughs> I think that's what I would want to do. Not, not to hit on space. Space is amazing. I just, I've always been drawn to the ocean and the possibilities in a world where everything, we feel like we know everything. It's like, it's truly this environment that no one knows anything about. I'm always reading those articles about like talking about like commercial space travel, or just like even just being like, yeah, you can buy a spot in this rocket and go up to space or whatever. But then it's like $20 million to, to get a ticket. So uh, I don't know if uh, in my lifetime I'll be able to do it. But I hope Tom Cruise is trying to get the next Mission Impossible to like shoot some st- stuff in space. So maybe uh, try and get like cast in that or just, or just like, can I just be a PA on this shoot? There you go. <laughs> whatever I- you need. I'll do craft. For you guys, I'll get all the snacks here in space. I'll just get a, a shit ton of uh, God. What's the, what's the stuff they drink in space? The uh, oh, what is it called? The the um, it's. Are you looking it up? Because I don't. I don't. It, Dang. What is it? It's called. What do astronauts drink? That's what I'm looking up. What do astronauts drink in Dang. space? Oh, there you go. <laughs> I, I I love Tang, man. It's uh. It's it's delicious even here on Earth. What a weird space thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, this. I think that was a good would you rather because you know you want to be. Chow. I I would do both of them. Quite frankly, I would do. But yeah, same. I would go to ocean and then go to space with Tom Cruise. Like sometimes there's, <laughs> it has to be with Tom. Sometimes there's would you rather's where I'm just like I don't want to do that other one at all. Like, that sounds that sounds horrible. But uh, all right, Jan. Now you're warmed up. I, I made you you know think a little bit. And now it's time for the quick fire questions. Turn up the heat. Turn up the temperature, baby. I'm turning up the temperature. Also, act like I haven't been thinking at all yet. (laughs) I've been thinking this whole episode. (laughs) Now you've just been just mindlessly just talking. (laughs) Oh, gosh. No brain, no brain activity until I asked you, would you rather go to space or bottom of the ocean? I was like, oh, God, what do I do? All right, this one, Jan, is all NFL head coaching specific. So the first one I've got is Urban Meyer and John Harbaugh have both been up, have been brought up a lot as possible NFL coaching hires. Who do you think is more likely to go to the league? 
Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to lean John Harbaugh just because I hate Urban Meyer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that answer. I, I really don't have a question because obviously like performance wise, John Harbaugh, you're like, oh, you know, you couldn't. But I think that was such a specific time in Michigan. John Harbaugh has NFL experience. You know, I, I, I'm going to go with he's probably the safer pick. And again, this is my answer. And Urban Meyer can just never have a job again. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I, hey, that, that reasoning is, is cool with me. But yeah, I mean, he. he Harbaugh took the Niners to the Super Bowl. He probably had more success in in the NFL than I guess you know he did. He did well at Stanford and uh, was San San Jose, San Diego. I can't remember where he was at before Stanford, but yeah, I I think there's a good chance it might be both of them, but but we shall see. All right, Jaguars, Chargers, Falcons, Lions, Jets, and Texans are all looking for a coach. Which job do you think is the best? Ah. Uh... Uh, okay, so I'm 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 stuck between two here. I I think, and I'm going to reason myself and pick an answer by the end. Uh, I would say the Jags technically because I think that they have a lot of cap space, and I think they got James Robinson, which is a really good running back. So I do love the Jags' job, and they're going to have a top quarterback with whatever they pick. Um, that being said, I did not convince myself of the Jags just saying it, so I'm going with the Texans. Who doesn't want to play with Deshaun Watson, who who almost beat the Titans, who almost beat every single team by his damn self, who dealt with all of that, could have said, how dare Bill O'Brien screw me over like this, instead played one of the best seasons of the league, finished as the passing leader for no damn reason other than he wanted to. You know, we both called JJ, that one. We did. And J.J. Watt said it himself. He apologized to, to Deshaun Watson saying, I'm sorry we wasted one of your years. And, and you know, the Texans are going to work for him as hard as they can. And that's where your coach wants to be for a quarterback that already is top caliber with all the others. Yeah, I, I almost left Houston even out of the choices because I, I like, I think like and like you said with Jacksonville, like they they have a lot and they probably will get a top quarterback, but like a, a top quarterback prospect is a lot different than a proven quarterback commodity. We know how good Deshaun Watson is, and he and he just needs to have the right coaching staff around him for him to eventually succeed. Like it, it's only a matter of time. All right. Last question for you, Jan. Who is your NFL coach of the year? Oh, coach of the year. What a question. Um, my NFL coach of the year is I thought I was gonna be able to prove myself something with that with that uh, with that statement, but I when you, when you like start the sentence, then like and eventually it'll just come to me as I say. And eventually I will get there. Um I here's what I'm going to say. I think coach of the year is Kevin Stefanski. Uh, I think taking the Browns back to the playoffs is an amazing achievement. I think the way that he's changed around Baker Mayfield. Remember, we were talking week one when he lost, you know, just saying like, you know, he's done and dusted as an NFL quarterback. You know, now he's he's as capable as anyone in the pocket in, when it comes to being in the right position. Um, he established that run game really well, uh, something that a lot of Browns coaches in the past haven't been able to do. Uh, and he has them in a position to make a little playoff run. You know, they're not perfect, but I, I think he's really done a lot for the team. So Kevin Stefanski. I I completely agree. I think I think like McDermott is is coach of the year favorite. And and you know, if he won it, 
I wouldn't be like, ah, oh, that's a horrible travesty. But I agree. I think Stepanski, what he's done there. And like, I feel like McDermott and the and the Bills have been like building to this. Um, right. Where like Stefanski's come in there one year and, and this team looks completely different than than they looked last year. So I'm in agreement with you. All right, Jan, you can turn off the hot seat. You can turn off your brain again. No more thinking. <laughs> don't Don't try too hard. Don't strain yourself. Uh, oh god (laughs) i never think so it's a really it's a good way to live but uh that is the end of our episode our first episode of the new year thank you all for joining us uh it is a new year but we are still dealing with the pandemic so please stay safe wear a mask make sure you're making the right decisions uh i know it is difficult there's no no doubt about that but uh you know the more we can stay in this together the more we can get back to normal and finally go see some sports. Jan, do you have anything else for the lovely people? Yeah, I'm just going to echo what you said. We want to be in the stadiums watching the sports soon. The vaccine is almost here. Just suck it up for a couple more months, people, and then you'll be fine. My goodness. You you can do it. You can do it. Cheers, y'all.